Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I'll be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, and that includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month, and I'll do it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide practical, tactical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. You can either have your entire organization take our program, or if you just have a few folks, join one of our open enrollment cohorts that start every other month. For more information, visit us online at thebossbuilders.com. If you're listening to this right now, you are probably one of the many HR professionals who are struggling trying to get talent. So when you're as old as me, you've seen the war for talent played over and over. You know, the companies have uh, only a couple jobs and there's thousands and thousands of candidates. But we're at a different type of war right now because for many of us right now, We've got open positions and there's nobody to fill them. Where can we find qualified candidates? Well, our guest today can answer that for you. Our guest today is Daphne Gomez. She's the CEO and founder of Teacher Career Coach, and her and her organization help former teachers land new careers. This was a great interview because we got to talk about some of the transferable skills and attributes that teachers bring. And in many cases, teachers are looking to transition out of the teaching workforce and join corporate America, where many of you have organizations and many of you have open positions. Daphne will talk about what teachers can bring to you. She'll talk about the learning curve that you may have to partner with them, but she will make the case that you will not be disappointed if you are recruiting former teachers. Lots of great information and resources. Make sure you listen carefully at the end because you got a shot at posting one job for free as long as you use the coupon code one free. That's O-N-E-F-R-E-E. Daphne will tell you more. So let's quit talking about her. Let's talk to her. To her. You know what time it is, right? Let's make sure that seatbelt's buckled low and across your hips. Make sure that personal item's tucked under the seat in front of you. Time for us to taxi to the runway. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Daphne Gomez, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. We're really excited to have you here today as well. And and the reason is because what you're going to talk to us about today is going to be one of the major pain points that our audience is currently experiencing. We're going to be looking today about how to unlock the hidden talent pool with somebody you probably haven't thought of before, transitioning teachers. This is an area that you're really experienced in. And when we talked before the podcast, I thought, wow, we need to get this in front of our audience because our audience right now is fighting this, what often seems to be a losing battle for talent. And maybe we have a secret weapon we can give them today. So Daphne, we're excited to hear what you have to talk about. 
But before we do, tell us about your journey because it is somewhat a unique journey. Yeah, so I um, went into teaching, gosh, probably later in my 20s. My mom was a teacher. She was a special education teacher. It was something that I always thought about, wanted to do something intrinsically motivating, really loved um, education, wanted to do something powerful to help my community. I went into it and within three years of being in the classroom, having a master's in curriculum instruction, you know, I hit a wall where I just realized this is not my forever career. And um, I needed to find a different position. I just, whatever it was, I didn't want to start over from scratch, but I, I wasn't really sure. Teaching is one of those unique positions where you can become an admin, you can work as a tactos or an instructional coach, something inside the district, but there's not a lot of opportunities to pivot at least back in 2017 when I ultimately left, there really weren't resources to support someone who was thinking of making a switch. It was really taboo. So I started to look into education companies. I started to leverage my experience and my first role outside of the classroom was called a learning consultant position. And so at that, um, in that position, I was in charge of doing, uh, speaking at national conferences, doing professional development training, uh, I worked for a Fortune 500 company and just was like a training support person, training and development type of role. And I ended up falling in love with it. It was everything that I was looking for as far as touching, you know, um, all those different things that I enjoyed in teaching, but also giving me more autonomy, more flexibility and, you know, an increase in salary. During that time, though, I was working with teachers still quite a bit. I was working at education conferences, speaking in front of hundreds of teachers on behalf of this company, and people kept coming up to me afterwards and asking, so you're a former teacher. How did you find this role? And after about four years, you know, in that role, I also worked for another company um, as an uh, instructional designer, so creating their e-learning courses and digital courses. And all of this experience, all of this interest and my own, you know, past experience led me to believe that I needed to create the program that I did not have access to, to figure out what types of roles there are outside of the classroom. And um, I knew that just landing jobs, having understandings of how these companies work, having the understanding of how my own skills translated did not make me a career expert. I was never a stakeholder in the hiring process at that point. And so I actually consulted with a human resources expert who had 10 plus years in the recruiting space, hired her on to actually create the first of its kind program to actually help teachers who were thinking of leaving the classroom for one reason or the other, um, start to look at all the ways that their skills translate, what types of roles they're gonna be um, more quickly qualified for, what types of roles are gonna need some more upskilling, how to translate their resume, how to articulate their strengths to hiring managers. And also with that work in the last few years, I've really started to partner up with people in the corporate space and help them understand how teacher skills translate as well. So being just kind of a person who bridges the gaps between the two, um, the candidates and those in hiring. So that's the long short version of my, my yeah no that's here. a great that's a great story and it's interesting because you know I hear a lot of people putting together programs to help military veterans transition into new careers 
But I never thought it would apply to teachers. Apparently, teachers must have a pretty unique kind of background that's sort of in a little box, and now we're trying to expand it. What age groups were you teaching when you were teaching? I actually only taught fifth grade students for, I worked at two different school districts and you know, I always tell teachers who find me, um, there's a couple different things you should consider doing before switching careers. And one of them is try to change what grade you teach. If you think it's like classroom management or like an environmental factor that's leading to your, um, leading to your thinking of leaving the classroom and then also changing districts. And for me, once I changed districts and things actually got worse or reinforced that it wasn't the right career for me, that's when I ultimately left. But I did stay in the same age group the whole time, fifth grade, about nine, 10 year olds. Do you think that might've changed if you had maybe younger students or older students? For me, no. Um, <laughs> and one thing that I learned after I left is, you know, um, I get overwhelmed by distractions. I really like the building part of um, teaching. I like building out learning experiences. I like designing the curriculum. I like seeing people's uh, reactions once they finally get it. And what I didn't like was too many tabs being open that were like not in my control. Too many noises distracting me. I, I get sensory overwhelm and that's, I didn't realize that that was part of it as well, is that I was close to finding my good career, but there were there were unique factors with myself that was also contributing to it not being my perfect career. And being able to remove that and take some time, have you know a quiet working environment and be able to sit and focus on the part that lit me up the most, like the building of the educational experiences, that's where I really found a better fit. Now, did you think you had everything you needed to be successful uh, before you started in and then suddenly realized like, wow, this is not a good fit or did that happen gradually for you? I had a really bad last school year um, when I did move to a new school district. That was where um, my fears about education uh, started to be a little bit more, um, how do I say this? I had suspicions that it was not the career that I thought it was going to be. And then when I went into that very last working environment, um, I was met with a very toxic administrator that was not supportive of the teachers and also um, was newer to, to leading and being in management in general, uh, but a lot of really unrealistic expectations as far as um, how much you were going to work on your weekends after school um, and what types of things and requests by parents should be accommodated for even though they were like outside of the scope of a regular contract and um, that last year really kind of reinforced that i at least needed to take a step back due to how all of those different factors really impacted my mental health I ended up going, you know, to the doctor for some stress-related illnesses that um, had never popped up, and I was pretty young at the time. And I, you know, I did suffer from depression the last three or four months of work. I was crying on the way to work almost every single day, um, which is unfortunately something that is a little bit um, normalized in teaching. Is is that oh you're just having you know a really rough month or a really 
rough three months and people don't realize that you know crying every day on the way to work is not normal and that it's okay to leave this profession if that's where you're at well as a student i can remember crying almost every day because <laughs> i had to go to school so i guess i got a little of that so in your experience daphne there's people who are career teachers you know they'll be in there for 30 whatever years do you think that the environment is just a better fit for them than maybe for a person like yourself? Because there's, it seems like it's very predictable, you know, exactly when you're going to be working and when you're going to be off and you kind of know what to expect. Do you think maybe it's a personality difference that might make teaching attractive to some while in others not at all? Oh, 100%. Everybody's their own unique person. Not every teacher is going to find my resources and say, oh, going into this position is a better fit for me. Think of it like anyone that you're hiring for. There are some people who may want to become, you know, customer success managers and stay in that position for the rest of their lives, while others are trying to leverage that experience to move to a different department in five years because they, you know, secretly have always wanted to work with something else. I think that there's always going to be a type of person that, also really um, thrives in change, being able to change and grow every three years. And so some of the happiest teachers in the world who are wonderful now are realizing I feel a little stagnant where I don't learn something new every year and I've done this for 10 years, now knowing that I can take this and become a UX designer do some boot camps, start to learn these really unique skills and challenge myself, that sounds exciting to me again. So it's, there's so many different factors of why someone may want to leave versus why someone may want to stay, but there are plenty of really wonderful teachers staying in the classroom throughout their entire year and, you know, a lot or throughout their entire career and a lot of really great support systems for those who are looking to actually stay on how to create sustainable teaching practices, how to work more efficiently and um, help their workload, which is something that is not always within their control, but there are ways that they can actually streamline their own productivity and take things off of their own plate as well. Um, but I, you know, I knew that there was also going to be a percentage of them that needed this type of support. And that's what I really focus on learning more about on how I can better support that audience that resonates more with me. I see. Now, I know when I've worked with military who are transitioning out, they tend to be typecasts and they tend to be sort of steered towards certain roles. So you might find, uh, you know, certain senior level people, they want to get tabbed by a government contractor because they want that person's connections to buy more business or Maybe it's security or working on a weapon system that they're used to. And then we also see kind of a catch-all, which is sort of working as area managers and distribution centers. Those are typically the jobs that tend to be offered up and sometimes sought. What is it like for a transitioning teacher? Is there a, is there a place that they typically want to get typecasted into? Where do they normally wind up if they're not taking a, an assertive approach? Yeah, so there are three different career buckets that I realized many transitioning teachers kind of naturally navigate towards. And the first bucket would be for those teachers who are still really wanting to work with children or really work in like the education space. That might be like museum education programs, anywhere that you think like students go on um, 
Field trips usually have someone in charge of creating the curriculum for that, managing the people who are in charge of giving the tours. That would be really well suited for a teacher. Now also go and think about, you know, daycare facilities, um, places where your children may go. There might be a manager in charge of the people who are actually the daycare facilitators. And that is something that a teacher can do. Um, outside of that education space is just another bucket which is just like working within an education company in general and this is a variety of roles it could be the marketing department it could be professional development or their learning and development training types of roles it can also be customer success roles sdr bdr roles are really great fits for teachers because they understand the clients and usually the higher paying like account executive roles go to people who worked as instructional coaches, tech TOSAs or um, district admin because they know more about like the school buying policies about actually purchasing educational product. And then the very last bucket, which is probably gonna be more interesting to your audience unless they happen to be working at education companies <laughs> or <laughs> at a museum or in a nonprofit um, would be just like training and development spaces. So, you know, most teachers are gonna lean towards uh, either it's onboarding or implementation, training and development, uh, instructional design, creating any sort of like content, e-learning. Um, many teachers are interested in copywriting, but then there's a really good amount of my audience that have been exploring the possibilities and now they're looking for customer success positions or now they're looking for SDR or BDR positions in a variety of roles. And those types of roles, even recruiting roles, um, that are open potentially more often at your company could be filled by a teacher who is currently really doing the work to upskill towards one of those positions as well. Okay, so that's been kind of the general journey then, right? So yeah. I guess when I think about teachers, um, I go back to my days of school and it seemed like there was certain things teachers were pretty good at. They were able to get people's attention. They seemed very organized trying to round up kids. What are some of those attributes that a teacher might bring to the average work team? Even if it's not directly in the child, I was going to say the child support business, but that's different. Like the child, like the ed children education business, well, where else might they be able to put those skills? Yeah, so the character attributes that teachers would bring to a team are going to be, you know, empathy, they're, whether it's to other team members or your customers, they're never really going to um, jump to a conclusion. They might look for context clues and to, to make inferences and be able to actually identify problems before they arise because teachers are, you know, they're naturally wanting to help. They want to bring people together. They want to collaborate, have a community. And that's a really great, you know, um, characteristic to have as far as for uh, someone working internally and also someone who's public facing. They're really great active listeners. That's what they've been doing with both students and parents for the longevity of their career. They also come with a, um, a passion for learning. So whatever the role is, they are going to want to continue to learn, to continue to grow, to continue to understand more of that. 
And then they also have a passion for teaching, which means that if a customer is struggling to understand your product, they're going to want to slow down and, and help them understand that product. And they're great at differentiating. So some of your customers by listening to where they're at, you're going to understand, oh, I need to start really slow. Or some of the customers are going to say, you know, I know that this is a busy guy. I'm going to probably want to just go through the really important concepts to go over with him. And they're going to be able to differentiate on a whim because that is what they've been doing with your students the entire time. Um, so, you know, all of those, I think, would be the best, most generalized character attributes that they would bring. Those active listening skills, being able to um train other people complex information and chunk it into smaller um, bite-sized pieces just being a passion for that and then also you know just opportunity for for someone to be on your team that just is really empathetic and and loves people and just wants to be a helper yeah so that's it almost seems like that's sort of the internal stuff that they bring now what about hard skills mm -hmm. Right, because I think of teachers, you know, they, they point on the chalkboard, they write, they do all that. I mean, what other like hard skills then could we supplement those sort of softer attributes with? What do they typically have? Yeah, that's a really great question. So obviously oral and written communication skills are gonna be um, pretty solid as far as this audience goes. And then also presentation skills, being able to put together all of the information that you have, build some sort of presentation and present it to just go over the objectives and not fill everything with fluff. Teachers are used to doing that, you know, four or five times per day. They have really lengthy presentations that they're actually chunking into what is the learning objective here and how do I actually present that to whatever audience I'm giving it to. There's a lot of like data entry skills that they may have depending on the lms systems that they're familiar with at their specific district but you know teachers are in charge of creating benchmarks for their students as far as their reading progress there's all these different tests that they do and they're in charge of keeping track of it they also have um experience if you're working in a situation that you need to make sure everything's compliant they have a lot of experience with like IEPs and keeping things within compliance as far as um, the regulations go for education. And then also um, many teachers, if you are listening to this, it's 2022 and the pandemic is knock on wood totally over, but the last two years, <laughs> they've just learned to be your tech support team. They can walk you know, whatever age group or whatever um, skill level through basically most of the platforms that they had to do over and over and over again. So now they do have, you know, a lot of experience when it comes to like implementation and helping people um, walk through a specific product. Uh, some teachers are upskilling in a variety of different careers, especially the teachers in my audience are a little bit I would say a couple steps ahead of just a general, just starting to figure out what others, um, whatever jobs are out there. So there are a lot of teachers in my audience who are taking boot camps to teach themselves coding or are learning UX design or are learning all of these other things, taking the PMP certification. 
um, because they want to continue to learn and grow. And so they're going to be bringing some of those hard skills as well. That's great. Well, it's, if we're going to do this then, so let's say that we're actively going to recruit this, you know, relatively hidden job, you know, candidate market right now, what is going to be some of the, the learning curve for them as they enter a different environment, in some cases, maybe a corporate environment? What have you seen, you know, being some of the challenges with knowledge gaps for stuff like that? Yeah. So some of the main knowledge gaps is think of finding a highly skilled professional who has all this great experience that's going to translate into your role and you're very excited about them. But then when it comes to the actual transition process itself, the writing the resumes or going through the interview process, they almost are probably going to be starting at a college straight from college level when it comes to rewriting their resume because they've had one single resume that landed them that job outside of college and then they've never had to rewrite it. So you're going to potentially have someone with a very teacher heavy resume unless they have gone through a program like what I teach or they've really gone through a lot of different steps. Um, and that's gonna be a challenge for many HR professionals. If you have someone who's sending you a resume that's not translated for you, obviously you're going to, um, that's gonna be a barrier between the audience. And that's where I really do the bulk of my work of educating my audience to help them translate their skills. But as, as far as the interview process itself, teachers are not used to um, interviews outside the classroom if they just started interviewing for the first time. So the knowledge gap of how even the interview may work if there's a four-step process or a five-step process is completely new to them depending on what that interview process looks like. And you may even have some that are, you know, unaware of um, when the best time to apply for positions are because in the education space, they mostly can apply between January and April with the understanding that they're going to be open in June and July. And if they are just on a whim applying to positions and they may be applying in March, but not ready to start until June. And that's a huge frustration that hiring managers may have as well. And another thing that I do to help educate my audience. So these are some of the like small things that because there's just differences in hiring from the education space to corporate environment, there's going to be some knowledge gaps that may pop up even in an, the interview process. And then other knowledge gaps that may happen is once you actually get inside of the company, they may need to have an overview of just how the different departments work because it's a completely new environment for them. Other than that, you know, it, it varies depending on the candidate. And I'm saying kind of the worst case scenarios, but there are plenty of candidates that are um, ready to go and do not have these types of um, knowledge gaps. But it, it really depends on the company of what the onboarding process looks like and just being very um, vocal during you know, your, your interview process as well to if you're the type of company that you're a startup and everybody does everything entirely on their own, you're gonna wanna ask them, you know, at your at your school, did you write all the curriculum? Did you have to do everything on your own or was it all handed to you and you had a really lengthy onboarding process as a teacher? 
and kind of letting them know, well, this is how we do things. And we're looking for someone who knows how to take initiative because, you know, the roles are not as clearly defined. Here's all of the different struggles that other people have had. Do you have clear examples of times that you've thrived in an environment like that? Or if you're the type of company that has this really great, robust onboarding system and a lot of support, then most teachers are going to fit that mold. I am a startup company. I have three full-time hires. Actually, I'm one of those, so two full-time hires and myself and then two part-time and they are former teachers. And you know we don't fit the regular mold, but they've been wonderful um, people working at my company. It just really takes a lot of understanding um, where they might struggle and making sure that you are proactive to make sure that they're a great fit for your for your company. But there's so many great teachers out there that um, are looking for new opportunities that I do not have any hesitancy that you won't find one. So I guess there's two ways we could do it. We could attempt to recruit teachers by recruiting wherever the teachers hang out or however we do it. And then we kind of go through some of the things you suggested. But tell us, Daphne, about what your team does then. Yeah, so our team, majority of what we focus on is helping the teachers understand how their skills translate so that it makes human resources uh, jobs a little bit easier when it comes to finding the great fits. We help them figure out what roles they're qualified for, how to read jobs descriptions, all that stuff. That has been what we've been focused on since 2019. But in the last six months or so, because of so many times that hiring managers would reach out to me and we would have these 30 minute phone conversations about what they were seeing, how I could relay best practices to my audience to help them overcome some of these knowledge barriers that they were having and give them best practices or advertise open positions for these companies. We started a jobs board. Um, it's at jobs.teachercareercoach.com and it's education companies or it's companies that are open to hiring teachers for a variety of positions. And if your audience wanted to advertise to our, um, to our candidate pool, I love to do just like one free uh, job posting so that you can see how, uh, how valuable this audience is. We send that out to a candidate pool of 90,000 people are on our email list currently. Not every single one of them is going to apply, so don't get worried about that. But um, <laughs> quite a lot of interest. So we had companies that would reach out and they would say, I'm looking for someone that for this nonprofit that has special education experience because it needs to really know a lot about the candidate really needs to know a lot about like accessibility but they also have to live in this specific area of texas and also we want someone who potentially is upskilled and knows a little bit more about sales than just like an average teacher and we were able to help them find that to you know there's been fintech companies reaching out to us for customer success positions or sdr positions that they were having issues filling and we've had a great candidate pool for that. So um, if you wanted to apply or put a open job position and just try it out for free, it's a coupon code one free. And so you can just put in your information for the job and then put in that coupon code one free at jobs at teachercareercoach.com. 
and um, we'd love to help in that way. Okay, so spell that coupon code. Is it the number one free or one O-N-E? Oh, O-N-E free, but all one word. So O-N-E free, one word, jobs at teachercareercoach.com. If for some reason you are having issues with that, though, you can just email our team at support at teachercareercoach.com and always happy to open up a conversation because this is you know something that i've been doing for a while there was a really well-known tech company that they were looking to hire for their storefront location um, for people who do like the training and development and also for sales roles and i was able to have a phone conversation with the head of recruiting for this company and one of the conversations that we had was she was specifically thinking for the managerial positions she was looking for principals like former principals or people with managing managing experience and then i was explaining to her well a regular teacher may depending on where they were what their what their duties are they're all gonna be different may have been grade level leader which means that they were in charge of four other grade people in their grade but they were actually giving out duties. They were leading weekly meetings. They did all these other things. Or teacher's assistants are common inside the classroom. They may have been in charge of managing teacher's assistants. So I was asking her, does that count as managing experience? And she said, that solved such a big problem that we were having. We were mm. just limiting it to, we only thought principals had this experience, but now that we're open and we're looking for these bullet points, that helps us where we're able to actually fill far more of these positions. So having those types of conversations and helping advocate for this audience and being transparent about what their limitations may potentially be just in order for you and your audience to thrive, your company to thrive as well, has really been just like the biggest joy of my life and just such a great opportunity. And I'm so grateful to be here. Well, uh, we're really glad you spent the time with us, Daphne. This is, I think, going to ease some of the pain points of our audience. And I had no clue that this was even a talent pool until we were connected together. And so my thought is that many of our listeners today are thinking, wow, I need to check this out. So before we sign off, Daphne, one more time, what is the place they need to go and what is that coupon code so they can get there today and actually start working with you? Yeah, it's jobs.teachercareercoach.com or if you end up at teachercareercoach.com, you can find the jobs board link easy there, but jobs.teachercareercoach.com. And then once you go to post your listing, it will look like it's gonna cost you a couple hundred bucks, but you actually just put one free O-N-E-F-R-E-E, -E, and then that will let you do it for free. Excellent. Well, Daphne, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today. We really appreciate it. And if you're listening today, please check out Daphne's site. I think you would be very happy. You'll have a whole new area you can start searching for talent. Daphne, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Mac. This was great. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. I hope you enjoy listening to these as much as I enjoy making them. I've learned so much from the guests we've had on the show over the past few years, and I hope that you will continue to listen to us regularly. If you are a subscriber on any podcast app or channel, would you do us a favor and take a moment and leave us a review? We would really, really appreciate it. Also, if you have the time, check out all the offerings we have on our website, which is thebossbuilders.com. 
We have every other month a Sherm Credit webinar that we present, as well as a ton of other events, not to mention our Art of the Great Boss and Art of Being a Great Teammate programs. More information on that site today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Oh, by the way, you may want to unbuckle that seatbelt. I think we just arrived at the gate. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.